Good afternoon, sports fans. This is Perpetual Diehards Podcast. I'm your host, along with my other host, Andrew Fiore. My name is Paul Smith. We are here in the comfort of our very own homes, ready to talk to you about sporting today. Andrew, how are you today? I'm good, Paul, and I'm excited to get this podcast on the road. We have a lot to talk about, even though sports have been canceled. The whole world has been put on hold, but we're still here to entertain you. This is our quarantine day one edition. We have a week and really a bunch of months to talk about. I don't know an hour to do it in, so let's get going. Um, a little bit of by ourselves. I mean, this is episode one. Obviously, this is a new thing for both of us in the sense of podcasting. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. when times are normal. Uh, at, I'm a sophomore in college. I'm a history major, but I've really fallen in love with radio and I host a weekly show called Titletown Radio on all four Boston sports, Sox, Pats, Celtics, and Bruins. And ever since the coronavirus has hit, came back home to Rhode Island, been doing online classes. And Andrew was the one who reached out to me uh, a week ago asking, hey, do you want to do a sports podcast, keep things going while we're in quarantine? And... It's fantastic. I mean, this is a way to keep ourselves going. Sports is really the one thing that unifies us that that I am able to turn to in times of crises, and we can't even do that anymore. So I'm excited to get going. Uh, obviously, being in Rhode Island, huge Sox, Pats, Celts, Bruins game fan. And uh, so that'll be my bias, although we'll be, we'll be covering – all four major sports and teams all around the league. And that's really all I got. Andrew, if you want to tell us about yourself. Well, Paul, you couldn't have put it better about how sports is such a unifying force. But, uh, yeah, I am also from Westbury, Rhode Island. Uh, Of course, big New England fan, except in baseball. I am a diehard New York Mets fan, and I am proud of it. Despite the fact that – Yeah, Andrew. Go ahead. Explain that a little bit. Well – Oh, I get asked this a lot if my family's from New York, which we're actually not. My dad started rooting for the Mets because they were the lovable underdog back in the 70s. And he became an even bigger fan during the 86 season, which, of course, Paul, you as a Red Sox fan, must know about. Um, crushing. I wasn't even born yet. It was crushing. <laughs> well, he just raised me right. He raised me a Mets fan. And I just grew up and loved baseball. And I love my team, the Mets. But I'm also a big Pats, Bruins, Celtics fan, as I mentioned. I, like the rest of you New Englanders, devastated to see Tom Brady go. Devastated to see uh, the Bruins losing last year in the Blues series. But, yeah, those New England teams, they keep us going and they keep us unified. They're great teams to watch. And this is maybe one of the worst years that Boston's had in in a while. I mean, look. The Red Sox didn't have a great year last year. The Patriots um, got out in the divisional round playoffs and then immediately, excuse me, the wild card round. Didn't even make the divisional That's round. That's right. And then lost the greatest quarterback of all time. Here's the thing. To the- As a Mets and Patriots fan, I have an interesting perspective. I am a fan of one of the greatest dynasties of all time. So used to winning, win the division year in and year out. But then I'm also the fan of a team that's won one division in 10 years. So, I mean, I get a good perspective of it. And, I mean, I'm not convinced yet that the Patriots are done making the playoffs. They still definitely have a shot at the division, if not that, the wild card game this year. If there is a season. I think think Belichick – there's a huge debate that who is the real mastermind behind the team? Is it Belichick or Brady? And for once, we'll finally get a chance to see uh, what the case really is. You know, we've got Belichick on his own without Brady. Um, with And besides Brady, who, who the Patriots really got on offense? That you got a lot of untested receivers. You got uh, Stidham and quarterback. Got a lot to see with what he can do there. I say Patriots still make the playoffs, still might win the division. I think they'll make the wild card at least. Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. We'll see what happens there. He's got a lot of weapons around him. 
but he's also going to be 42, 43 years old. I see the Buccaneers making the wild card round. I have to be honest. The NFC is loaded this year, but I don't think Tom Brady's quite done yet. If you watched the Patriots last year, you could see a lot of the mistakes on offense were due to the rookies' inexperience, for especially the wide receiver core. It, Brady still has that brain. That's his strongest asset. The His athletic abilities are definitely declining from what they were, but for his high standards, that's still good. Like him, him declining is still adequate to be a playoff quarterback to me. Brady, Brady is no longer the best quarterback in the league. Right. I don't think anybody's disputing that. Right. But he is a, still he's a, still capable. A great quarterback, a high level quarterback that can make plays and given the right weapons around him, can can make a run. And he has those weapons in Tampa. You got Evans, you got, um, like, the, the whole core there is it, just fantastic. But, I mean, they had Jameis Winston last year, the man who threw as many interceptions as touchdowns. So I think they can make the playoffs now. But even their division alone, though, is loaded, which is why I'm convinced it will be a wild card game. You have the Falcons, which, I mean, they are still a few years removed from the Super Bowl. The Panthers, I can see them rebounding with Teddy Bridgewater. And, I mean, the biggest one of all, the Saints, with Drew Brees firing on all cylinders. And they don't look like they're done yet either. So I see the Saints winning that division. Absolutely. Although, to be fair, as much flack as Brady got for his performance in the wildcard game, Drew Brees did not have as good a playoff run as many people expected him to have. And he's getting up there in age as well. He's got better weapons, so though. He does, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. We're in a very distinct period right now. We're transitioning from the old era to the new. And it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, this is, of course, an unprecedented time in sports anyway. I mean, we're this is more of an introductory episode. We'll get more in-depth in anything and everything in future future weeks but I mean this is uh, unheard of ever since I mean you got sporting events that haven't been cancelled since World War II that's right that have now we've got a global pandemic that's keeping us inside that's cancelled sports I mean you look at the United States has a little over 30,000 new coronavirus cases per day and I remember March 5th was the day that I really started paying attention to all this. Um, my school went online on March 11th and sports season started being postponed and suspended and canceled around that time as well. I looked to see how many, how many coronaviruses per day, how many cases were being confirmed per day. Then it was around 50, 50 per day by March 11th. I think it was 300 and now we're at 30,000. So, I mean, we got a long way to go before we start going back to the numbers in which we, we can start seeing sports. That's again. right, and this caught everyone by surprise. I mean, it's truly tragic to see what's happening in the world right now, but we do need to keep hope. This is – every generation faces a crisis. This is ours, right? So, I think we will pull through. We'll get past it, but for sports – it not only shows how unnecessary sports are, I mean, not unnecessary, but how irrelevant in the grand scheme of what's going on sports are, but also shows how much we need them. It's really interesting. Yeah, obviously sports are non-essential um, parts, of the, parts of the economy, but on the other hand, billions of dollars flow through it and through the simple fact that so many people enjoy watching it, that it's an escape from reality, that people pour their passions into it. It's a way of showing regional pride, showing pride in your team. It's the celebration of the greatest things that humanity can do. And you don't That's have that right. Like that. And right now, I think when we reach the first normal sports game, probably going to be an NFL game, the atmosphere at that game is going to be tremendous. It'll be like, 
it'll be like the 9-11 game with Mike Piazza homering off the Braves. The first game, the first New York sports game really after 9-11. It's going to be like that kind of full, uh, feeling. Absolutely. We, um, yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. And I, I, while it's things are dicey right now, I do know that at the at the end of the when this is all over at the end of the day, it's going to be. I, I mean, people are going to be so happy to be outside to be with friends. Absolutely. You know, uh, pe- people the churches will be packed. Um, people will be happy to be at work. Children will be happy to be at school. Every restaurant will be filled up. Sports games will be sold out. You get to appreciate life. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd hear this many kids say they miss school. It's really surprising. And as for sports, I have seen it brought up that in the future, we'd have uh, sporting events with no live audiences. I think this has fully eliminated that. Just the reaction to the new MLB Arizona plan alone, which if you haven't heard, um, MLB is looking at the possibility of having a season in 10 spring training stadiums in Arizona with the teams uh, being social distance, practicing social distancing during the game, not going in dugouts, staying in the stands instead of the, the field area. Um, they'd have to go straight to their hotels after the game. And the reaction to that by most players has been negative because it wouldn't be the same for them and they'd have to stay away from their families and no fans is a big part of it for a lot of them. So I don't see a future of audienceless sports anymore because of the reaction right now. Well, we, we can go into that a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll start off with uh, different different sports plans for, for what's happening here. Um, baseball, as Andrew said, is looking at a number of different options, one of which is baseball in Arizona. Um, others is baseball in Japan, where everybody uh, yeah, flies to Japan and holds a league there and plays games there. Um, there are ideas th- being thrown out of a 30-team playoff tournament. There's an idea of throwing out American and National League um, conferences, not conferences. Yeah, you know what I mean. Different leagues, um, having a universal DH. Uh, do you get the sense that this is a throwaway season? That this is that baseball has been experimenting with different rule changes, pace of play, different ways to make the game more exciting. Um, do you do you see this as a sort of guinea pig? as an excuse for baseball to implement these changes and see how Well, goes. it's definitely going to be unlike any other season we've seen or probably will ever see. I feel like the league is more focused on just trying to make baseball in general work rather than these specific changes, but they they could very well just try out all new rules. Not totally new, but the little changes that you've been hearing about in the past few years. It's possible, but I feel like the focus is more on just making it work. Like the game in general just work, not on the small details right now. Yeah, I mean, and for people that say that baseball has had shortened seasons before, those seasons started out normally. That they were, um, you know, the seasons shortened by strike um, in the 90s and so forth. Um, they, They were going fine, and then they were cut off and ended. Right. Right. And this is different in which the season never really started. And if we do get baseball this this summer, it'll be a catch-up game of a shortened season and then a playoff in a World Series. So slightly different circumstances. Um, I, yeah, I see this as kind of like a, a sandbox. That baseball has these ideas. There needs to be some sort of change. You're not going to have a 162-game yeah. season. That much is almost right. completely out the window. So you got to look, okay, we want shortened seasons. Um, how are we going to do this? Are we going to have the conference? Are we going to have one huge league? Um, I've heard talk about grapefruit and cactus leagues, just like spring training. 
um, universal DH, which honestly should be implemented anyway, in my opinion. It's, uh, again, it's a sandbox. And baseball can do these things without really being blamed. So I don't, many people don't really see this shortened season as one that counts anyway. We've got Mariano Rivera, greatest closer in history, saying that he doesn't consider the shortened season champion, true champions, which I find hilarious because the Yankees came into the <laughs> season as the favored, favorite team to win. And if the Yankees win at all, I'm just going to bring that bring up that quote and say, well, you guys aren't true champions. You didn't play 162 games. They aren't playing 162 games, which is true, but this is also a difficult circumstance, even though it's fewer games. So if his point is that it's it's easier, to, it would be easier to win a championship this year, I'm not so sure about that with the situation. I mean, the players have this on their mind. If there would if there would be a season, they'd be concerned about the safety. There's be new rules. All the teams are equally trying to adapt. It'd still be a challenge to win a championship in this situation. I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'm really surprised to see who this affects the most. Who's hurt by it and who's who's helped by it. I mean, you've got to think that a team like the Yankees who have issues with longevity in their players um, benefit from this, right? That uh, a a team that had a record number of players on disabled list, injured list, disabled list last year, um, players who can't stay healthy, you've got a shorter amount of time by which to stay healthy. Now, and as I, I, th- I think that helps them the most. Right. I think the teams that would hurt the most are the teams that went all in on this year. Like, as much as I hate to admit it, the Mets right now. These teams put all the chips in the table right in the middle, trying to go all in on a playoff push this year. And now there might not even be a season. Free, they hired these free agents, which may never play a game in the uniform, like for the Mets, Marcus Stroman. He might not play a game for the Mets again. And, of course, Mookie Betts, who may never play as a Dodger. Those teams are going to hurt from this. I think, I think if Mookie Betts got signed by the Dodgers, went into the season without playing a single game, went into free agency, and then got re-signed by Bloom and the Red Sox, I think that would be the greatest steal in free agency. That would definitely be something to see. I mean, it'll be... That would be the greatest steal in history. You look at the players that the Red Sox acquired. Right now, I, I, I think that trade is a bust for the Red Sox. You got rid of a starting pitcher who you desperately need in David Price, and you get rid of the second-best player in baseball in Mookie Betts, homegrown talent, someone who is worth every dollar that he's given. Um, to some extent, I, I can get into that later, but... You give up those two players for some prospects. You get Alex Verdugo, who has a hin- injury history, but is a very good prospect. Jeter Downs and Connor Wong, who are also two noted prospects. If at the end of the season you resign Mookie Betts, what you essentially have done is a, a salary dump. It was a starting pitcher, and you get the number two prospect in Alex Verdugo, a couple great prospects in Connor Wong and Jeter Downs, and the second best player in baseball. Is is that going to happen? Likely not, knowing Hein Bloom and things that he did with the Rays. You know, he, he tends to stay away from hitting superstars. So I is it likely? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. That would definitely be fascinating to see. I for one would like to see that, even as a Mets fan. I mean to see something like that go down, it'd be the second time the Red Sox have just obliterated the Dodgers and something in the past few years. Um, and I just think, oh, yeah. being a Dodgers fan. Like, oh, man, we got, we, got, we got Mookie Betts. Oh, okay, okay. Shortened season, shortened season. Oh, season's canceled. Okay, okay. Well, we're, we're signed Mookie. <laughs> oh, you mean he resigned with the Red Sox? Are you kidding me? I, I, I could not. Yeah, and that. especially after getting potentially cheated out of two championships, the blow would be devastating. I I used to not like the Dodgers, and then when the Astros scandal came out, I felt bad for their fans. I'm going to be honest. I feel bad for them. 
Now this would this would definitely be uh, a thorn in the wound for them, and especially uh, this shortening of the season hurts too because they were they were also favored. I think everybody expected this to be a Yankees Dodgers World Series, so Dodgers fans just have it tough right now. I do not feel bad <laughs> one bit for them, but that's coming from me. It's all right. I look. You got got. If 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 you end up losing Mookie at this the end of the season, look, you took you took a chance. You screwed over the Red Sox, and this is what you get. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox though they have a solid core. They still have a lot of the players from 2018. The division for them is a problem right now, though. You have the Yankees, as we've talked about. The Rays are surprisingly good. They, they've they had, like, two straight 90-win seasons. It's going to be... On the team that was yeah. built by Heim Bloom. People look at the signings that Heim Bloom has done for the Red Sox and think, who the heck are these guys? This is how the Rays became a perennial 90-win That's right. Team. That's right. But it's, it's money ball. And I mean, Heim Bloom has handled a small budget correctly, unlike the Mets owners right now, who are known for their cheapness and thank God are selling the team. And speaking of that, I've heard the New York Post is asking Robert Kraft to buy the Mets. Do I think it'll happen? No. Do I want it to happen? Yes. And by the way, I do not condone him. I don't like what he did in the winter of last year, if you remember. I I mean, I have respect for his accomplishments, but as a man, I mean, it's not right what he did. But at this rate, he'd be better than the Will Ponds for the Mets right now. Yeah, but what Robert Kraft has done with the Patriots is incredible. I mean, he's built he's built everything that they've become so far. Uh, you know, he, he's the guy that's really kept Brady. Belichick, Bill Belichick is a, is a um, what do you call it? Um, practical. What, what's the um, utilitarian? Thank you. Is it utilitarian in which you're only as good as your, as, as your use to me right now? He doesn't, he doesn't border on uh, affection or uh, nostalgia. Or, you know, oh, well, you've been good to us these all these years. You know, I think we'll keep you around. No, if, if you're 43 years old and can't throw a football anymore, I'm not going to keep you. Um, I, I, th- I think he saw Brady as a an aging quarterback who is who's past his prime. And while he may appreciate the six rings that Brady won for him, uh, it's time for him to go. And I completely understand where Belichick's coming from there. I mean, I was shocked when I received the news that the Patriots never even gave Brady an offer. That they just said, that's it. Um, I got nothing to say to you. Good luck in the free agency market. And I think Brady was surprised too. But I, looking back, it, it's per, it's classic Belichick. I mean, in the most for the most part, I respect Belichick's decisions with that. I mean, as cruel as that strategy can sound, it's worked for twenty years. But for Brady, it's recently come out that he had seen this coming, this divorce from the Patriots. He had seen it coming since the beginning of last year. And I hate to see Brady go. I want to see him play in the game. It's it's devastating for all Patriots fans right now. But I'm not I'm not convinced it's this is on Belichick. Brady. No, yes and no. I, I I have a very hard time reading anything in the news about Tom Brady. Because most of the time it's simply not true. I mean you, you, you go back and uh all the articles that have been made about him that, Oh, you know, he, Oh, he's in, he's in Tennessee <laughs> looking at a school for his son. Turns out that was a different football player and someone mistook his wife for Giselle. Oh, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's going to join the Raiders. He wants, he wants to be with the Raiders. No, that didn't happen either. Anything. Look, the media feeds off of Tom Brady 
like uh, a lion with a, <laughs> with a sheep. It's unbelievable. That is true. That is very true. I mean, look at Deflategate. What do you think caused that to go down? Yeah. I mean, people take Tom Brady and and they wish they had what he has. And the fact that teams and the media and analysts are always calling for the the the, the, um, the decline of Tom Brady for him to fall off the cliff it just right. speaks to his greatness as the greatest quarterback of all time and if, if you're seriously waiting for one guy to go down instead of trying to figure out how to beat him the fact that he he's played in nine Super Bowls in the last no one's come close years. to are that you kidding me nine Super Bowls and every other every other region, every other team, you know, if if they get one Super Bowl appearance in right. twenty years, they'll be happy. And nine Super Bowl appearances, and they've had a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's it's not like any of them were a blowout. It, they were all close. They came out um, in six of those nine. And the other three were remarkable victories, uh, two by the Giants. Super Bowl the Fifty Three, which, if you recall, was thirteen to three, and it wasn't really cl- there wasn't a true clear winner score wise until the fourth quarter. It was still tied three to three. That game had the largest margin of victory out of any of the Patriots Super Bowls of the last um, twenty years. Which a is crazy. 10 point I mean, that was difference. A Super Bowl. Unbelievable. I don't know if yeah. we're ever going to see anything like this in sports ever again. This uh, sense of dominance? No. I mean, this is a dynasty in its very definition. You can say all you want about uh, and any, any other team currently. That they have a dynasty. You know, the, the Astros, <laughs> they have a dynasty. The, the Giants of the early 2010s could have a dynasty. No, the, the Patriots of the last 20 years, that is a Absolutely. Dynasty. And I mean, there's been some debate in the news over the past week or so. People picking the Michael Jordan dynasty over the Patriots. Both won six titles, but look at the frame of time of the Patriots' dominance. That's 20 years. That's. That's such a long time in sports context. And for Michael Jordan, I mean, his accomplishments were great. Don't get me wrong. And it is incredible that he got six titles in as short a time frame as he did. But it's much harder to keep that kind of success over a long period of time than it is in a short period of time. Yeah, under two men, really. The past 20 years, that, that's those the only yeah. mainstays that the Patriots have had. Uh, three. That's right. That's right. And I mean, you can compare this, I guess, to like the Braves of the 90s to 2010s winning the division every year. But football was designed to stop teams like the Patriots. The, the, the salary cap, the, the draft order, like every sports league has now. They're trying to stop dynasties. And the fact that the Patriots did this now makes it more incredible than, say, the 49ers or Cowboys or Packers dynasties. That's a great point. I mean, Belichick yeah. is a master drafter in which he, he, he picks out players and knows exactly and, what to do with them. And when, when, to, when to pick them up, when to sign them, and... Yeah, he'll make some acquisitions this offseason. This... I don't know who... I don't know when, because every season's kind of on hold right now, including the NFL. But it, it'll come, and Stidham's going to have a great uh, core to throw to. That's all I'm going to say. Matt Castle went 11 and five with the Patriots. Yeah, as much as people uh, believe that the Patriots should be going after, say, Cam Newton or Andy Dalton, I'm not opposed to Stidham right now. I, I even what I think should happen is. They should platoon Stidham with a draft quarterback like Jake Fromm has been going on. 
maybe have mostly Stidham. He can be QB1. But have someone like Fromm uh, be the quarterback for, like, two of the first five games, maybe. Test him out. See how he is. He probably won't be too good. Stidham had his time backing up Brady. He had he was able to learn in that time. So keep Stidham as the primary, but also draft a quarterback in case Stidham goes wrong. But I don't think he will. I got to see him live at training camp this past year. He's very mobile. He There was a play when, like, three defenders came at him in a blitz. He sprinted to the sideline, threw a touchdown right in time. It was a great play. And you can see it in the preseason, too. Very mobile. He's very aware of the pocket around him. I, li- I like him so far. I really do. I think we should give him a shot. Mobility is something that the Patriots have Absolutely. had in the quarterback position for 20 years. Um, and the, the position is evolving. Uh, it, it's a constant evolution. You look at the early pioneers of the um, – the rushing quarterback from Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. And now you've got perennial quarterbacks like Omar Jackson and Pat Mahomes that they'll, they'll, they feel comfortable running around in the pocket, running side to side. And that just adds an extra weapon for defenses to look out against. Brady was the iconic pocket passer that he would stay in that pocket as long as necessary. And, he had a great offensive line, and that's that's that, that's what helped build his reputation. And he could stand in that pocket all time, all all day long, and find a receiver to throw to, and nail the receiver. See the perfect throw. And the game is really starting to move past that, and it's a it's a test for Brady uh, in Tampa Bay to see if he can continue being the pocket passer in an increasingly mobile game. And Stidham, I think, is the perfect antidote for that. If he's mobile, he can move around. That's what the Patriots need. You know, they need someone who can roll out of the I agree. And, throw. and it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting for Belichick to adapt to that. Because I mean he's he spent twenty years with the pocket passer. He's got to adapt his offensive line to those to those uh yeah, and another one of those great uh, mobile quarterbacks right now, along with Mahomes and Jackson, is uh, Deshaun Watson. And I've got my eye on him right now. He's yeah. His uh, relationship with the Texans, and this is totally understandable because they're run by Bill O'Brien, who for some reason is just named general manager along with coach. And he's totally incompetent with football. But Deshaun Watson, it seems like he wants out of Houston. And he's going to be a free agent after this year. I think the Patriots are on his radar. Well, I absolutely agree. Um, you, yeah, you look at what Houston's done to their team in the past couple of months in free agency. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, got traded to the Cardinals in return for a washed-up um, David. Sorry, running back. The fact that you can't remember his name just shows how much of a bad trade it was. David Johnson. Um, Who, yeah, a couple years ago was the best quarterback, uh, best running back in the league. Now we can't even remember the name. Just shows how bad of a trade it was. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I like to say my, I should, but I don't. Fantasy football, Andrew. So I am a. I've, I've been a huge fan of fantasy football, and the first first year I did it was 2013. Won my league by somehow drafting Jamal Charles and Lashawn McCoy in the same, in the same draft. But a couple of years later, I I like to define my fantasy football teams as drafting guys who were good two or three years ago. Like, I'll, I'll be in the draft and I'll say, oh, David Johnson, he was good last year. And I'll draft him. Um, yeah. Um, Julian Edelman. Yeah, I, he was good for me a couple of years ago. I'll draft him. Uh, that was David Johnson for me a few years ago. He had a record-setting year the year before. Drafted him. Week one got injured. There went my season. And 
He's never really Yeah, I mean, season. and as if that trade for yeah. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't bad enough, they had to go trade for Brandon Cooks immediately after. So if they if they kept Hopkins, yeah, the, the trade for Cooks would have been perfectly fine. It actually would have been a good move. But they, they get rid of their best receiver only to get another good receiver? It doesn't make sense. This is the man, by the way, who blew the 24 to nothing lead in the divisional round against the Chiefs. What I, I can't comprehend how an owner would watch that 24 to nothing game, see them blow it, and think, you know what? This coach would make a great general manager. I, d- I don't understand. No, I'm baffled as to what's going on in Houston. I, no, I, I completely, completely agree that it's completely incompetent. I mean, you get rid of, I'll give you the best receiver in the league right now, DeAndre Hopkins. And so your, your top receiver now is Will Fuller, who is a good receiver in of its own. He's a big playmaker, but um, a good receiver. And, and then you add Brandon Cooks, um, something that, you, you simply don't do is you don't trade two players in the same position. You don't doesn't make sense. It, it's just bad business. You don't. Nobody usually takes that anyway. You know you don't. Uh, I, I'll bring up fantasy football again. If I if I offered a quarterback for a quarterback, you know you got to be pretty stupid to accept that. And what's what's really the point? You just all you did was who did the Texans? Not exactly sure. Picks? I can check right now though. Yeah, but I mean, if if your deal is you you gain at the end of the day you you get a slightly inferior wide receiver and a washed up running back and and give up DeAndre Hopkins, I mean that's I, I don't know what Houston's doing, but yeah, I bottom line, yeah, I agree that Deshaun Watson. And he's not. He's yeah, made that clear on Twitter. And I'm interested to see if he'd want to come here. I would love to Sean Watson as a quarterback. Honestly, he'd be a great successor to Brady. But um, speaking of Cooks, though, and his former team, the Rams, they are not in a good situation right now either. Just two years ago, we were looking at Sean McVay as the new genius of the NFL. And that team has just fallen apart, especially with that new logo. Yeah, she's. I, wow. I, I yeah. still refer to them as. I don't. Sometimes. I don't know what's going on over there either. But. No, I. I remember, um, yeah, freshman year in college, uh, we had a nice lounge room, and I believe it was, it was one of the primetime games. I can't remember if it was Thursday night or Sunday night or Monday night, but it was one of those days, and it, it was Chiefs. Oh yeah. Rams. All time game. I'm sure you remember that game when, when it, yeah, it blew the, blew the um over under, out of the water. And uh, without without the game, fifty four to fifty one. Final score being in my mind exactly. It was it was. Okay, fifty four fifty one, and that's what's This is the new football. This is the new NFL, where. Offense only, no defense whatsoever, and, and one of those teams Bowl, was in it. The final score is thirteen to three. Says a lot. Involved, yeah, and yeah, I mean three points. That team, the Rams, uh, they looked so good that year. Think about it. They had they had Cooks. Jared Goff was looking decent yeah. at the time. Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, who's now in Atlanta. Just fell apart, and that logo, by the way, it's gotten so many bad reactions. I don't mind. The... <laughs> is it worse than? Is it worse than the? Wu-Sox I I logo? have to tell you, I will never accept that Wu Sox logo. That Wu, the fact that they're in Worcester is a mistake. I, I'm never gonna get over that. Oh, is this? Is this logo? Is this the yeah. one where with the um the L A and the like the circular thing? I'm gonna be honest. That looks a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It also looks like a Chargers logo. 
I'm, if I'm being completely I like the honest, colors, team, though. I'm, I'm going to have to yeah. be honest. I like those colors. That's, yeah. But that's pretty much what they had before. They just... Well, they're... Well, blue and the the blue and the orange are uh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense because they're they're opposite ends of the color spectrum. So yeah, those those colors go well together. But yeah, you kidding me? That yeah, you're like, right. Uh, it would have been fine as a Chargers logo. logo. Just it looks bad as a Rams logo. And the Rams aren't the only team reband rebranding this year. Seven teams have announced logo changes or not. I'm sorry, not logo changes. Uniform changes. Some of them are slight, like the Patriots. But some like the Falcons and Buccaneers who have already released theirs, pretty drastic. And every I time like I look at them, I have a different I, I reaction. Like some of it I like. I like the whites. I the gradient is okay. But then again, it also looks like the typical jersey of the enemy team on every football movie ever. They're just too bland. The Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, yeah, though, they're kind of plain, but they're definitely an improvement from their old alarm clock uniforms that nobody liked. I'm glad they changed it for the GOAT. I, Tom Brady didn't deserve <laughs> to wear the alarm clock ones. He was too good for those. No. I, I, I believe that the Patriots uniforms – might be the one oh yeah, I love them. I don't know if it's the bias, the but I, I mean, you... no, it's it's the but the silver too I mean, is very nice. A combination of red, white, and blue. Um, well, y- yes. Um, I yeah, the, the the dominant blue. I think I think that's what look, looks the nicest, but even the the home whites. I mean, those look. <laughs> Dapper, <laughs> if, if I can use that. I mean, it's. I don't know. I, I think that those. I, there are certain oh, aspects yeah. of uniforms that I just love to love to look into. Football uniforms are great. That's Hockey right. helmets, like the goalie helmets, the arts that hockey is some of the nicest uniforms that. too. The the teams get created with the colors. The Bruins are iconic uniforms. The black with the gold shoulders, so nice. Yeah. And, I mean, back to the football, though. Another team that just announced it was the Colts. And I was worried because I like the Colts uniforms now. People call it plain, but it looks so clean and it honors history. Sometimes a nice, clean uniform is better than this flashy one that's trying too hard to be different. They they only changed the numbers to make them look like the the 50s and 60s jerseys. And it, it looks good. Yeah, and they also got a secondary logo, I do like which that. is uh, the Horseshoe C kind of with the state of Indiana in the middle. Ah, yeah. With the- I do too. I think the Colts, mm-hmm. out of the three teams that have announced like that it so lot. far, I think the Colts handled it the best. The Browns are going to announce theirs, I think, tomorrow or in the up- next few days. I'm interested to see how they messed that one up. Poor Browns. I every, every league has a punching bag, and the Browns are it for me in in football. Uh, they just can't get anything right. I they came into this season. I I I'm roommates with two diehard football fans with uh four di- diehard football fans, but two in particular, and we had placed a bet that. Uh, they thought that the Browns were the real deal, that they were going to make the Super Bowl and all that. Look, it's the Cleveland Browns. The death taxes, the Browns suck. And, yeah, I placed a bet with them that the Browns would not make the playoffs, but the Pittsburgh Steelers would. And this hmm. this bet was made after the Steelers had started 0-3. You were. And I, I was this close to making it. If you remember the end of the season – Browns ended up finishing what five and ten or six and nine, and the Steelers under the new playoff format, the Steelers uh, would have made it eight and five. I mean, the Browns. It was clear, and had they won a single one, single more game, single game more, I would have won that bet. 
but instead, Patriots, uh, the Steelers finished eight and eight, missed the playoffs because they had Duck Hodges and right Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I mean, I was back. surprised to see Pittsburgh come back like that this year. I, but, but uh, they did well, and, and that's the first <laughs> time I'll ever um, praise Mike Tomlin for not making the playoffs. I think that, I mean, he usually gets flack for having a very talented team and not being able to do anything with it. He had almost no talent this year. And Back to Cleveland, though, it was clear from the beginning they would either do well enough to make the playoffs or their egos would get in the way and they'd collapse. And I was leaning towards that, and they did. Baker Mayfield um, – Shoot, I'm sorry. The running back. Give me one moment. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb. Those egos are too big. Yeah. It wasn't going to work. It was clear from the start. It just wasn't going to work. No, there's one thing about talent. You can have all the talent in the world. Look at the Steelers of this past decade with the three Bs. Look how that turned out. (laughs) That was incredible talent. I mean, you had the top, a top tier quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, the best quarter, uh, best running back, Antonio Brown. I watching that man's descent is both sad and funny at the same time. He just he never stops. Every every month, there's something new. If we if we remember the 2019-2020 season for anything besides um, the Chiefs Super Bowl win, it'll be for Antonio Brown. I remember going into August, he was a Raider. Uh, you, you forget you know, that an Oakland Raider. You know, there were there were. I my. <laughs> For my birthday, my two roommates got me a uh, Antonio Brown Raiders jersey. Got it, bought it off of Amazon for ten bucks. It was. I, I still have it. It's uh. Yeah, and then that went down the tube, all because of his helmet and uh, cryotherapy injuries. Then he signed with the Patriots. I remember the Patriots started three and zero or two and zero. They were eight and zero at one point. Go undefeated. I mean, you you look at the wide receiving core of, <clears throat> yeah, but you look right. at the wide receiving core that they had at two and zero and three and zero, and they lost all of them. They they had Edelman, um, again, this is off the top of my head. Demarius Thomas, Julian Edelman, Antonio Brown, um, shoot, who else? No, but why I mean, do I, why do I want to say Brandon Cooks? They didn't have Brandon Cooks even. They did at one point, but they – the number of guys that they had. Even over the past, like, and two the, seasons, they had Chris Hogan. Like you said, Brandon Cooks. Edelman was closer in his prime. They kind of squandered it there. And yet they yeah. still ended up 12-4. and four. And, yes, I know the week schedule, but still, teams have choked week schedules before. Right. That's another yeah, reason why I'm absolutely. confident in this year for the Patriots. I mean, without Brady, I love Brady. Trust me. I think Brady and Belichick together. I'm not. I'm not for the one or the other debate over who's more responsible for the greatness. But even without Brady, I think they can still keep their head above water. I don't. I don't see a rebuild as necessary. No, I don't. I don't think there will be. Right. Any, yeah. I don't think Bel- I don't think that's Belichick's mentality. Belichick some fans there call for that for some reason, and I mean, coaches. since I'm a Mets fan and a Patriots uh, fan, but, again with that losing and winning perspective, I've been through a rebuild. It is not fun. I do not want to see a rebuild for football. I would. I wouldn't be able to take it, and they're not always successful either. There's no. so many failed rebuilds. Yeah, it's hit or miss, especially for baseball. Um, you, you, listeners of this show, you'll start to understand that baseball is my yeah. 
same sport. I follow all four, but baseball is, you know, I played yeah, baseball. Yeah, baseball is also my number one. And, and followed it uh, for many years more. But a rebuild mentality is something that's dominated um, MLB for years now. I mean, you look at, I, I feel like the number, the, the best example of this are the Kansas City Royals, which they were awful for years. And then they kept building up the pieces and they had a couple, they, they had a window of 2014, 2015, in which they made the Super, um, super Bowl. Sadly. The football. They I, made the World Series in one of those years they won. Yeah, over your Mets. But that was the perfect example of building As much as I cannot stand that team still, even though it's been awful. five years, I'm still not over that. That tanking. Uh, this pains me to say, but I do admit the Royals were very successful with their rebuild. They focused on the bullpen, which, I mean, bullpen is crucial. I've watched as a Mets fan. They, they never seem to have a good bullpen, the Mets. It costs them so much. So I've learned how important a bullpen can be. And although this year was, this year seemed to prove that wrong with the Nationals winning it all with that bullpen they had, which was somehow worse than the Mets. But I mean, yeah, the Royals did it right there. Yeah. I mean, you had between. I mean, you had Alex Gordon, Johnny Gomes, Salvador Perez, all these guys that aren't superstars. They're good players yeah. in their own right, and they they won playing small ball. And I mean that was a classic team that will go down as, I mean, just watching that team after not really following them throughout the season, just going deep. These guys are good. That's one of the few teams where they did every little thing right. Yeah, and, and now I mean after that they were awful. They were like before that they were awful. Apparently they're awful. Yeah, but the city, but the city, and the they were likable. In 2014, though, I'm not saying I liked them in 2015 at all. But in 2014, they 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 were the underdog. Every year, baseball right. seems to have a team that comes out of nowhere and just goes all the uh, all the way. 2014, the Royals. 2015, I'd even say the Mets were. I mean, no one saw that coming from them. Yeah. Yeah, they had the Bobby Valentine season the year before. The Sox. Red, being a Red Sox fan, you've got uh, you either coming first or last. Or not not last year, but years before. You've got, I mean, 2011, you missed the playoffs after a monumental collapse in September. 2012, you've got the Bobby Valentine Season 2011, you had one of the best Red Sox teams to ever take the field. Um, if se- if September isn't counted, I-, I firmly stand by that. 2012, Bobby Valentine. 2013, World Series champs. 2014, middle of the road. 2015, you suck. 2016, 17, 18, division champions and eventual World Series. 2019, you're bad. 2020. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd take that, honestly. I'd, I'd be all right with that The fan as a fan. Those division, those division championships. Yes. Oh, I, as I, a Patriots yeah. fan, you overlook it. I mean, it's a division championship. In baseball, I've only seen the Mets do that once. I mean, before that, I was three. I didn't really. I, I didn't know what was going on then. Yeah. But I, the Mets seem to get in these mediocre stretches. They they. For like five years, they got in like fourth and third place. It's it's hard to watch, but you stick through it. And I was rewarded with, even though they lost the 2015 season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you take a look, see what the Nationals did last season. Absolutely incredible. When you think about how. Down three to one in that game. I mean, they won the wild card. And they were in the wild card game. They were down. They had elimination games in every series except for the NLCS. Wild card game, they were down in the eighth inning with two outs. Um, Juan Soto, set single, right fielder misses the ball, three-run score. 
they end up winning that game. NLDS um, going into game four. We're down two games to one to the Dodgers. Win game four. Go to game five. They were losing there. Uh, um, Dave, Dave Roberts left Clayton Kershaw in. They blow that lead. They lose in extra innings. Uh, and so they move on. Nationals move on again. Sweep the Cardinals. Um, in the World Series, every home team lost. Uh, the games, uh, Houston won all their games in Washington. Washington won all the games in Houston. And again, Nationals were down in game seven. And came back to win that. Seems like every 50 years it, you have a team like that. Like you had the 1969 Mets. Then 50 years later, these Nationals shocked everyone too. And that road game yeah. stat about the road team winning every never game. Say that. As if that wasn't shocking enough with that never having happened. Like that never happened in any playoff series. What makes it more shocking? That was the Astros that were the home team, that's where they were cheating, pretty much. They were cheating there in those games, and the Nationals still won. Yeah. Yeah, that's a – I mean, it's saddening that – I feel like the Astros are getting off easy right now in that they, they um, there's more time between when everybody found out about the cheating scandal – and their first home game. You look at spring training. Players are getting beamed almost every single game. Um, baseball is upset with what happened. Fans are upset with what happened. Players are upset with what happened. And, you know, time heals all things. Not only that, but the, the punishments. Handles, the greatest uh, some of the, life, the bans for one Just, year. Have, um, they stated... If there's no baseball, then the bans yeah, will be over either way after through. 2020. <clears throat> yeah, that's over in 2020. That, that's the owner's getting off easy, too. Ridiculous from Rob Manfred. And Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Alex Cora. I still think he's guilty. I know that certain Red Sox... Uh, Analyst Jerry Carabas. No, no way. No way. Uh, think he's innocent. Like Carabas built his. Carabas has built his career around 2018, and I love listening to Jerry Carabas on, on Barstool Sports Section 10, starting nine. I his content is fantastic. Um, but I think he even he has to admit that he owes a lot of his success to 2018. And if 2018 is discredited in any way, Alex Cora, there's a bias there. A friend of his is discredited, then that discredits him. So I, I think he's he's got to stick up for him. Cora was arguably the uh, mastermind. I, it's it's he was behind the stand by Cora. When you're the um, well, there's there's talk that because the guy who said that was AJ Hinch, right? So of course you're gonna of course you're gonna blame the guy who's leaving. Um, leaving the organization, of course, you're going to blame him. Uh, but and so, yeah, I maybe maybe Hinch was lying in that respect. But as the bench coach, oh yeah, and same with the owner. He was claiming he didn't know. Cora didn't have any. I mean, how could you not know if you're the owner of a team? And that's just if you didn't know, that's irresponsible. There's... Right. Uh, that's um. Oh, you've got AJ Hinch on camera. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip when I think it was Game Seven when the Nationals changed their pitching signs when Alex Bregman was coming over the bat, and you see AJ Hinch <laughs> turn around and say, "Wow, oh, looks like unbelievable!" I, the Astros are just someone check that black out. spot on all of sports right now. It really is. Well, it seems like we're ending. We're nearing the end of our time right now. That's right. We are. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. We didn't even get to talk about Bruins or Celtics, who I think really got chipped we out. We have a draft like preview two next Two championship week. contenders. The one sporting we'll event that's still week. going we'll on. talk about the NFL draft next week. 
yeah. Um, these are the times that try men's souls. Uh, not for the sun, sun, sunshine patriot. Stay healthy, soldier. everyone. Stay healthy. But we'll be here for you. And if anything, if anything, this is a way to just keep your mind Absolutely. off of coronavirus. And I'm Andrew Fiore. Back. But until next time, I'm Paul Smith.